Welcome to Polite Politics. I'm Noah Niederhofer. Jenny Tayer is on assignment this week up in New York. We hope she's having a great time, uh, spending some time with family and doing a little bit of work as well. Our two main topics that we're going to get in today, I am driving the, the ship solo here, is going to be the coronavirus. We'll give you a quick update. But I thought we would do a little bit of a deeper dive into Nevada. The caucus just happened yesterday. Bernie Sanders was the winner. We will talk about that, and we'll also do a, a quick look ahead to South Carolina, which is going to happen on the 29th. So that is going to happen this upcoming week. And then we'll have our little bit of our uplifting story that we try to give you every single week. But first, let's get into the coronavirus. Just again, a quick update. HHS, the uh, Department of, of Health and Human Services, is working with Congress and also with the president to try to figure out what might happen if there is some sort of outbreak in the United States. Now, I know this is a little bit cold in calculating, and it doesn't take into effect the human suffering that is happening, but there are reports that the president is quite worried about what this might do to his chances of being reelected as president because one of the things that's happening is China is ex- experiencing a pretty severe economic slowdown right now. They're certainly locking down cities. Uh, Apple, among other companies, is experiencing financial struggles because of that. And because China is so important to the world economy, if something like this slows down their economy, it's going to slow down our economy. It's going to affect the global economy. And that's something that the president, who has championed his economy and the economy by many different markers, is doing really well. And so when he does that, it's going to slow down the economy. And that has been his main argument for his reelection is look at how well the economy is doing. Look at how well you all are doing. This is why you should continue to have me as the president because our economy is going to do well and it's going to do even better. If the economy slows, especially during election year, that could really, really impact the president. Now, over 2,000 people have died in China from this uh, virus. COVID-19 is the official name for it, but coronavirus is still what it is being called. South Korea has had an explosion in cases of this virus, and so what is going to happen now in South Korea, uh, the president has now said we might take additional measures in locking down cities as China has done in taking extra precautionary measures. Obviously, this is something that is very important. We do still do not want to incite panic, do not want to incite fear. There is still so much that we don't know about this virus. Now, one of the other problems that we've seen the president tweeted something out that he's talked about how he said as the weather gets warmer that the virus will dissipate it will get strong it will get weaker rather and it will start to go away i can tell you and and the people at the cdc and hhs there is zero to support this this theory or or this this opinion of the president and it will be very, very important, again, that people still wash their hands, still take care of themselves, still keep hygiene as well as all of that. Because if we lure ourselves into a false sense of security and we do not take the appropriate measures to make sure that the people who need help get it, then we could have an, an absolute, again, explosion in terms of the amount of people that have this virus. And what's more important is that Some people, this might exhibit as flu. Some people may be asymptomatic. They may not have the outward symptoms of having this virus. 
If we're not careful, this can still easily be transmitted from person to person. What could happen is that that could happen here in the U.S. So we definitely need to take precautions and we need to be very vigilant of how we do that. Hopefully HHS and the CDC will continue to come up with plans that make sense and, and obviously work with Congress to try to implement something that will be effective. Want to move on to what is probably the big story of the week, obviously, as, as it is during this, you know, this election year. The Nevada caucus, which took place on Saturday. Bernie Sanders was the winner. He's continued his stretch of, of really dominance throughout this early primary season. He has now cemented his status as the front runner in this primary. And if the others who continue to split votes continue to do just that, it's going to look like he is going to be in a a really, really incredible position as we go into Super Tuesday and beyond as they go further towards the nomination. Bernie Sanders definitely could win the primaries that are going to be held on Super Tuesday in both California and in Texas. Those would be huge wins for the senator, but I want to get back a little bit here to Nevada. So in terms of how the delegate count stacks up as we go to South Carolina, it is Bernie in the lead. Uh, Mayor Pete is in second, Elizabeth Warren in third, Amy Klobuchar with a narrow fourth, and then Biden in fifth place. This is in terms of the delegate count after these three races as we go to South Carolina, which will be this coming week on Saturday. But in Nevada, Bernie Sanders, let's talk about Bernie. He has done what he said that he would do. He has gotten incredible enthusiasm. He is definitely doing well with younger voters. One of the big cross-sections that he did not win was voters over the age of 65, but he did incredibly well among Latinos. He did incredibly well among African Americans. That's something that he did well back in 2016 when he first ran. So he's building this really interesting multi-ethnic coalition that goes against multi-generational. It's it's really interesting how he's been able to do this. And it's worth noting that his grassroots small money donors are giving him this incredible war chest. He has the biggest bank account, if you go by you know what he's got in terms of funding, he's got the biggest bank account of anybody who's not a billionaire right now. So you have to take Bloomberg and Steyer kind of with a grain of salt as they are self-financing their campaigns. But this is a huge win for Bernie. It cements his status as the front runner. He is the man to beat, not just now, not just through South Carolina. He is the man to beat going into Super Tuesday and probably beyond because his message is clearly working. It's going to be interesting to see how the other candidates stack up, but we did see uh, Mayor Pete assail him. Despite not doing incredibly well in the Nevada caucus, uh, he and Amy Klobuchar have both had problems with Latino voters and African-American voters. They are really not polling well in those areas if you look at how they are doing a single digits nationally among them. And I think that's that's due a large part due to lack of national just knowledge of, of who they are. But also, I think it contributes to the fact that their policies, they don't have, at least for Mayor Pete, has not really had a chance to put policies in place that will help these people. And so we look at that. I think South Carolina is a huge huge race for the both of them and we will continue to look at that as we as we take a look at South Carolina but again back to Nevada big win for Bernie cements his lead builds more of his delegate count i mean they called this race early on 
for Bernie. So he continues his momentum into South Carolina, where he is positioned to do very well, and then into Super Tuesday. I think this more just is a validation for Sanders' strategy. I think this is his his campaign has done very, very well up to this point, and he's positioned to do incredibly, incredibly well, not just in South Carolina, but again, on Super Tuesday, where one-third of the delegates are going to be handed out in states like California and Texas, which are obviously very delegate-rich. want to move on to Joe Biden. This, if Joe Biden ends up continuing and really having success later on, I think this is really the, the point that got him there. If you look at it, he was really struggling, fourth and fifth, finally turns around, gets a second-place finish in a state where he was supposed to do well, and, and he did. Um, but again, he, he still got blown out of the water by Bernie Sanders. Now, he claimed this is kind of a victory because it gives him momentum. He is expected to win South Carolina. If he does not, that would be awful for his campaign. I mean, it would be very, very difficult to try to chart a course to the nomination without a win in South Carolina, without proving himself as the moderate alternative to Bernie Sanders. And so by getting the second place finish, he gets himself really more on the board in terms of the delegates and now can say, I've got some momentum going into South Carolina, where again, he is expected to win. This is a much needed second place finish. If a second place finish could feel like a win, I think it did for Joe Biden and his campaign. Want to go now to Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren has struggled again. She she has kind of attacked the press saying that, you know, the reason that she's not doing as well and, and falling in the polls is because of the press. I don't think that's the case. I don't really think that holds water at all. She just needs to make a better case to voters. And ultimately, that's what happens. So the people that are doing really well, uh, you know, the, the Mayor Pete's and, you know, Bernie Sanders, they're getting a lot of press attention. People were throwing dirt on Joe Biden's campaign after New Hampshire. So she's lucky that people aren't writing, you know, kind of pre-obituaries for her campaign. So Elizabeth Warren desperately needs a much better finish in South Carolina than she got in Nevada. Because if she doesn't, then she's got really no momentum at all going into Super Tuesday, where she's just threatened to to really be run out of this thing because Bernie Sanders is the left of the party. She's not really making the case as the bridge between the left flank, the, the far left, and the more moderates. So voters really are not buying whatever she's selling right now. She really, really, really needs a strong finish in South Carolina, bumping somebody out that was not expected to be there. And that will be really, really interesting to see whether or not she is able to pull that off. I want to talk again about Mayor Pete. I think he is trying to position himself over Joe Biden as the moderate alternative to Bernie Sanders. The language that he used was trying to make the case to voters that Bernie Sanders is kind of more of the same in terms of toxic rhetoric, and he says that Bernie Sanders doesn't just leave out most Democrats in terms of his policies. He's saying that it actually leaves out most Americans too, and so he is trying to make the case that he is the more electable candidate in the general election. He's trying to make that case right now. It was a little bit interesting to see that he made that case after doing so poorly in Nevada. I don't expect him to do much better in South Carolina, so he's going to have to take that again. He's going to have to take that nationwide and make the case to voters because the message is clear. Bernie Sanders 
is obviously the people's choice through these three early states. And we're going to see how he does in South Carolina. Again, I expect him to have a top two finish, and then I expect him to do really well on Super Tuesday. We'll see if anything changes between now and then, but I don't expect it to. But but Pete Buttigieg, I think, trying to sense his moment might be slipping away a little bit, especially as Joe Biden does better. And I think that's the problem for for Mayor Pete, is that if Joe Biden does better, then he's clearly the more moderate alternative because he's always been that guy. Mayor Pete is trying to claim the mantle, I think, as the alternative to Bernie Sanders. He's trying to make it a two-man race between himself and Bernie Sanders. I just don't think that that message is going to work, but does it not mean that he's not going to try it? That is for darn sure. want to also get to Amy Klobuchar here. Amy Klobuchar, I'm just not sure how much more she's going to be able to hold on. She did not do well in Nevada. I don't expect her to do well in South Carolina. It's going to be really hard if she doesn't do well in South Carolina to try to make the case to voters on Super Tuesday that they should go with her. She has also tried to position herself as a more electable candidate, somebody who is able to work with Republicans. But with where she is in terms of funding, with where she is in terms of support, I, I just don't see it. I, I don't think that she's going to be able to stay in the, in the race much, much longer if this trend continues. And again, I do not expect her to do well in South Carolina. And then I want to go to, over to Bloomberg. Bloomberg is another one of these people, and he vowed really to beat Donald Trump by any means necessary. He and, and Bernie Sanders obviously do not see eye to eye. It's very, very interesting. I think at some point, Bloomberg is going to be working against himself because he is going to be siphoning off voters that somebody like a Mayor Pete or a Biden or a Warren or a Klobuchar, but really more Biden or Pete, are going to need in order to beat Bernie Sanders for the nomination. He's actually, if he thinks that his mission and the most important thing is stopping Bernie Sanders from getting elected because he thinks that it's going to ruin Democrats' chances, he's actually hurting his own case if he continues to do what he's doing and he doesn't do well on Super Tuesday because that's what he's done. He's flooded the market with ads all over YouTube, you know, a radio, TV. He's done it all, and he spent millions upon millions upon millions of dollars, just as Tom Steyer has, and I think Steyer is about to probably get kicked out of this, uh, you know, this primary pretty soon because the the returns on investment are just not there for Tom Steyer, and I think he will realize that by Super Tuesday if he has not already, but he'll probably give it a go on Super Tuesday just because, you know, in for a dime, in for a dollar, but it's just not going to work for him. So if we're looking at Bloomberg, I think, and he did not compete in Nevada as he's not competed in these early states, he's hoping that Super Tuesday will give him a huge boost that is going to skyrocket and just give him this huge injection of energy as well as delegates in order to give him a big share that is going to end up slowing the nomination, and he thinks that nobody is going to be able to reach the required threshold and that he will end up making the case at a brokered convention. That is what I believe he wants for this primary. He wants a, a brokered convention where basically he makes the case to people at the convention that he is the best candidate to to win. Uh, I don't think that he'll be able to make that argument, but I think that's where he's trying to go. So Bloomberg definitely, again, I think has a lot to do but I, I don't I, I really think he's going to struggle here. I, obviously, not competing in the early states, he's putting all of his eggs in the Super Tuesday basket. But with the way that Bernie Sanders is going right now in terms of momentum, it's really not going to do a lot for him. And I think Bloomberg did not expect for people to hang around. Had Joe Biden 
fallen and and not done well and and kind of positioned himself and weakened himself going into South Carolina and you know had maybe Mayor Pete been able to jump him or somebody else jump him and maybe Biden, had Biden been able to get out of the race then I think you would have cleared a path for Bloomberg but right now Biden is staying in it and with South Carolina coming up he is now positioned again to do very well I think he's going to win and so if you have him in a one finish, he puts up a second and a first going in to Super Tuesday, Biden then feels rejuvenated. His supporters feel rejuvenated. Maybe more donors start to come forward and give him a little more money. When you have a Bernie Sanders and a Joe Biden and a Mayor Pete and Elizabeth Warren who will still be in this thing on Super Tuesday, now you're really splitting delegates among those candidates and – Bloomberg's plan is just not going to happen the way that he thought it will. That is my opinion. I really don't think that it's going to work out the way he thought it would. Definitely a lot of interesting things, obviously, a lot of takeaways from the Nevada caucus that happened this past week, but want to also focus again the 29th, February 29th. That is the South Carolina primary. It is the last of the early contests before Super Tuesday. There is a huge emphasis placed on this, as I mentioned before, really important contest for Joe Biden, really important contest for Bernie Sanders. And for many of the other candidates, I think it'll be really interesting to see whether Mayor Pete is able to do better here than he did. Again, Nevada is an incredibly diverse contest. It's an incredibly diverse state, but he didn't do very well there. And so it's going to be very interesting to see whether he connects with the uh, electorate here in South Carolina and the African-American population, which obviously Joe Biden has a very strong connection with them through his time as Barack Obama's vice president. But Mayor Pete does not have that connection. So the African-American electorate in South Carolina is such an outsized influence on who is going to win this primary. And so that will give a lot of momentum again going into Super Tuesday. But again, just my prediction, I expect Joe Biden to win. I expect Bernie Sanders to come in a close second. I think it would be huge for Joe Biden if he was able to pull off a decisive victory. But with the grassroots energy that Bernie Sanders has right now, I just don't see that happening. February 29th again, South Carolina primary. We will definitely Look forward to talking about that and then kind of giving you a preview of Super Tuesday, but that is next week. The last story that I have for you guys today, and want to just kind of wrap this up as we always do with a little bit of a kind of uplifting story. It is, again, from the world of sports. I was born in Miami. Um, my first basketball game was a Miami Heat game. They were playing the Atlanta Hawks. Ironically, I did move to Atlanta when I was six. But the Heat was my favorite basketball team. Michael Jordan was my favorite player at the time, but definitely the Miami Heat were my favorite basketball team. Now, in 2003, they drafted a guy named Dwayne Wade out of Marquette. Uh, the 03 draft class was very, very famous. It had Chris Bosh, it had LeBron James, had all of these guys in it. But Dwayne Wade went to the Miami Heat. He had, in that year, he had posted a triple-double against Kentucky, leading Marquette to the Final Four. He was a, just an incredibly electric player, and I hadn't really seen anybody like him. And in three years after he was drafted, he led the Miami Heat to the World Championship. He uh, spent basically 16 years in, in the NBA, all, all but one with the Miami Heat. Here are some of his accomplishments, and I mean, it's really just incredibly impressive. So he led, he's basically the the franchise leader, so he, he set the, the record for... Uh, these categories with the Miami Heat. 
he has the franchise record for points, assists, steals, minutes played, field goals made, free throws made, double-digit scoring performances, games played, and starts. He is second in blocks, scoring average, and triple-doubles. And keep in mind, for blocks, he is a shooting guard. <laughs> so, undersized guy. He's not like Kobe. He was not, you know, or Michael Jordan. He was not like 6'6 six, six or something like that. You know, the guy's 6'3 and is second in blocks in the entire history of the franchise. He was a 13-time All-Star. He won three titles in 06, as I mentioned, which was the first in franchise history. He won the finals MVP that year. I'll get into that in just a little bit. And then won back-to-back in 11 and 12 as more the secondary player on that team to LeBron James. So a little bit about that finals in 06, which, of course, I, I went nuts. They were down two games to none to the Dallas Mavericks, Dirk Nowitzki on that team. And in Game 3, they trailed by uh, 13 points with about 6 and change to play. He sent the game to overtime, scored 12 points in that, that remaining stretch to send the game to overtime, and then scored a bunch more, and they ended up winning. He has one of the greatest finals performances in NBA history. He averaged 34.7 points, 7.8 rebounds, 3.8 assists, and 2.7 steals per game. He shot 97 free throws over the course of those six games. So again, they went from a two to nothing deficit and were looking like they were going to go down 3-0. But then with six and change left, he led this huge comeback. They won the game and then they won the next three in a row to win 4-2 and end up winning Dwayne Wade's jersey. His number three jersey was retired in Miami this past week, it was an incredibly emotional ceremony. His wife, Gabrielle Union, obviously, Pat Riley, the person that brought him to Miami, uh, a lot of his former teammates, Alonzo Mourning, is so many people, and he meant so much to that franchise. It's really interesting. If you look at it, I mean, over the course of the last 20 years, the Miami Dolphins have been really bad, and you look at many of the other teams in the South Florida area, University of Miami has not been the same since they were, you know, the 2000, 2001 teams. Since Dwayne Wade got drafted in 03. Everybody else, the Marlins, everybody else in South Florida has pretty much stunk. And he is probably, I think you could argue, the greatest athlete in the history of South Florida sports. More than Dan Marino, more than more than anybody else. I think he is the greatest athlete of them all. And he was the greatest winner. So while all of these other teams were stinking it up, kids and people in the South Florida area still had this guy who could lead a team to success and showed them what a champion could be. His impact in the local community has been massive. A lot of things that he's done in terms of charitable contributions, in terms of giving back locally. And that's what he said, uh, basically talked about he, he did reference Kobe Bryant in his speech to the crowd because Kobe Bryant was a dear friend of his. That is something that, that he talks about, his legacy, but giving back and changing people's lives. Really, really special moment for the people that were there in Miami to watch the Heat just absolutely roll over the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Cavaliers, that is a, you know, a franchise that is hurting right now, but Miami Heat obviously destroy, just demolish the Cleveland Cavaliers last night. But more importantly, the big story of that game was 
that Dwayne Wade had his jersey retired, one of my favorite athletes to watch when I was a kid and growing up, and obviously a, a huge honor for Dwayne, and I think that's a really cool moment, just again, for the city of Miami, affectionately referred to as Wade County instead of Dade County. That was his area. That became his thing. He became a huge star, but he never became bigger than the area. He never became bigger than people, which was which was always great. You love to see kind of approachable superstars, people that are down to earth, and he certainly was one of those people, a, a Chicago native, grew up in Chicago, then ended up going again to Marquette, became this huge superstar with the Miami Heat, and now uh, and now retired from the NBA and, and had his uh, jersey raised to the rafters there in Miami. So a really cool moment again. So again, to recap all the things that we had this week again, coronavirus continue to see problems with that it shows no signs of slowing down and it will not it will continue to go throughout this year and we will continue to provide updates on it and then the nevada caucus again we had bernie sanders winning decisively i mean it was a huge victory for bernie joe biden with a much needed second place finish pete Buttigieg coming in third as we move to this week when we have the South Carolina primary again that will be taking place on the 29th. There will be a debate before that, but we will be bringing you the results of that primary right here on Polite Politics. Again, hope that Jenny Taylor is having a great time on assignment and uh, spending some time with family up in New York. I am Noah Niederhofer. Look forward to talking to you next week. 